Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and today, chapters 20 through 23 of The Mark of Zorro. And now, chapter 20, Don Diego Shows Interest. The threatened rain did not come that day, nor the night, and the following morning found the sun shining brightly, and the sky blue, and the scent of blossoms in the air. Soon after the morning meal, the Pulido Coreta was driven to the front of the house by Don Diego's servants, and Don Carlos and his wife and daughter prepared to depart for their own hacienda. "'It desolates me,' Don Diego said at the door, "'that there can be no match between the senorita and myself. "'What shall I say to my father?' "'Do not give up hope, caballero,' Don Carlos advised him. "'Perhaps when we are home again, "'and Lolita contrasts our humble abode with your magnificence here, "'she will change her mind. "'A woman changes her mind, caballero, "'as often as she does the method of doing her hair.' "'I had thought all would be arranged before now,' Don Diego said. "'You think there is still hope?' "'I'd trust so,' Don Carlos said. "'But he doubted it, remembering the look that had been in the senorita's face. "'However, he intended having a serious talk with her once they were home, "'and possibly might decide to insist on obedience even in this matter of taking a mate. "'So the usual courtesies were paid, and then the lumbering carreta was driven away.' and Don Diego turned back into his house with his head hanging upon his breast, as it always hung when he did himself the trouble to think. Presently he decided that he needed companionship for the moment, and left the house to cross the plaza and enter the tavern. The fat landlord rushed to greet him, conducted him to a choice seat near a window, and fetched wine without being commanded to do so. Don Diego spent the greater part of an hour looking through the window at the plaza, watching men and women come and go, observing the toiling natives, and now and then glancing up the trail that ran toward the San Gabriel Road. Down this trail presently he observed approaching two mounted men, and between their horses walked a third man, and Don Diego could see that ropes ran from this man's waist to the saddles of the horsemen. "'What in the name of the saints have we here?' he exclaimed, getting up from the bench and going closer to the window. "'Ha!' said the landlord at his shoulder. "'That will be the prisoner coming now.' "'Prisoner?' "'said Don Diego, looking at him with a question in his glance. "'A native brought the news a short time ago, Caballero. "'Once more, a phrase in the toils. "'Explain, fat one. "'The man is to go before the magistrado immediately for his trial. "'They say that he swindled a dealer in hides, and now must pay the penalty. "'He wished his trial at San Gabriel, but that was not allowed, "'since all there are in favor of the missions and the frails. "'Who is the man?' Don Diego asked. He is called Fray Felipe, Caballero. What is this? Fray Felipe is an old man, and my good friend. I spent night before last with him at the hacienda he manages. No doubt he has imposed upon you, Caballero, as upon others, the landlord said. Don Diego showed some slight interest now. He walked briskly from the tavern and went to the office of the magistrado in a little adobe building on the opposite side of the plaza. The horsemen were just arriving with their prisoner. There were two soldiers who had been stationed at San Gabriel, the frails having been forced to give them bed and board in the governor's name. It was Fray Felipe. He had been forced to walk the entire distance fastened to the saddles of his guards, and there were indications that the horsemen had galloped now and then to test the Fray's powers of endurance. Fray Felipe's gown was almost in rags, and was covered with dust and perspiration. Those who crowded round him now gave him jeers and coarse jest, but the Fray held his head proudly, "'and pretended not to see or hear them. "'The soldiers dismounted "'and forced him into the magistrado's office, 
and the loiterers and natives crowded forward and through the door. Don Diego hesitated a moment, and then stepped toward the door. "'One side, scum!' he cried, and the natives gave way before him. He entered and pressed through the throng. The magistrado saw him and beckoned him to a front seat, but Don Diego did not care to sit at that time. "'What is this we have here?' he demanded. "'This is Fray Felipe, a godly man, and my friend.' "'He is a swindler,' one of the soldiers retorted. "'If he is, then we can put our trust in no man,' Don Diego observed. "'All this is quite irregular, caballero,' the magistrado insisted, stepping forward. "'The charges have been preferred, and the man here is to be tried.' Then Don Diego sat down, and court was convened. The man who made the complaint was an evil-looking fellow who explained that he was a dealer in tallow and hides, and had a warehouse in San Gabriel. "'I went to the hacienda this fray manages, and purchased ten hides of him,' he testified. "'After giving him the coins in payment, and taking them to my storehouse, I found that the hides had not been cured properly. In fact, they were ruined. I returned to the hacienda, and told the fray as much, demanding that he return the money, which he refused to do. "'The hides were good,' Fray Felipe put in. I told him I would return the money when he returned the hides. "'They were spoiled,' the dealer declared." "'My assistant here will testify as much. "'They caused a stench, and I had them burned immediately.' "'The assistant testified as much. "'Have you anything to say, Frey?' the magistrado asked. "'It will avail me nothing,' Frey Felipe said. "'I already am found guilty and sentenced. "'Were I a follower of the licentious governor instead of a robed Franciscan, "'the hides would have been good.' "'You speak treason!' the magistrado cried. "'I speak truth.' "'The magistrado puckered his lips and frowned. "'There has been entirely too much of the swindling,' he said finally. "'Because a man wears a robe, he cannot rob with impunity. "'In this case, I deem it proper to make an example "'that frails will see they cannot take advantage of their calling. "'The fray must repay the man the price of the hides, "'and for the swindle he shall receive across his bare back ten lashes, "'and for the words of treason he has spoken.' "'he shall receive five lashes in addition to those. "'It is a sentence. "'We'll return with Chapter 21, "'right after these sponsor messages. "'And now Chapter 21, The Whipping. "'The natives jeered and applauded. "'Don Diego's face went white, "'and for an instant his eyes met those of Fray Felipe, "'and in the face of the latter he saw resignation. "'The office was cleared, and the soldiers led the fray to the place of execution in the middle of the plaza. Don Diego observed that the magistrado was grinning, and he realized what a farce the trial had been. "'These turbulent times,' he said to a gentleman of his acquaintance who stood near. They tore Felipe's robe from his back and started to lash him to the post, but the fray had been a man of great strength in his day, and some of it remained to him in his advanced years, and it came to him now what ignominy he was to suffer.' Suddenly he whirled the soldiers aside and stooped to grasp the whip from the ground. "'You have removed my robe,' he cried. "'I am man now, not fray. One side, dogs!' He lashed out with the whip. He cut a soldier across the face. He struck at two natives who sprang toward him. And then the throng was upon him, beating him down, kicking and striking at him, disregarding even the soldiers' orders. Don Diego Vega felt moved to action. He could not see his friend treated in this manner despite his docile disposition. He rushed into the midst of the throng, calling upon the natives to clear the way, but he felt a hand grasp his arm, 
and turned to look into the eyes of the magistrado. "'These are no actions for a caballero,' the judge said in a low tone. "'The man has been sentenced properly. When you raise hand to give him aid, you raise hand against his excellency. Have you stopped to think of that, Don Diego Vega?' Apparently Don Diego had not, and he realized, too, that he could do no good to his friend by interfering now. He nodded his head to the magistrado and turned away, but he did not go far. The soldier said subdued Fray Felipe by now, and had lashed him to the whipping post. This was added insult, for the post was used for none except insubordinate natives. The lash was swung through the air, and Don Diego saw blood spurt from Fray Felipe's bare back. He turned his face away then, for he could not bear to look, but he could count the lashes by the singing of the whip through the air, and he knew that proud, old Fray Felipe was making not the slightest sound of pain, and would die without doing so. He heard the natives laughing, and turned back again to find that the whipping was at an end. "'The money must be repaid within two days, or you shall have fifteen lashes more,' the magistrado was saying. Fray Felipe was untied and dropped to the ground at the foot of the post. The crowd began to melt away, Two frails who had followed from San Gabriel aided their brother to his feet, and led him aside while the natives hooted. Don Diego Vega returned to his house. "'Send me Bernardo,' he ordered his dispensero. The butler bit his lip to keep from grinning as he went to do as he was bidden. Bernardo was a deaf and dumb native servant for whom Don Diego had a peculiar use. Within the minute he entered the great living room and bowed before his master. "'Bernardo, you are a gem.' "'Don Diego said. "'You cannot speak or hear, cannot write or read, "'and have not sense enough to make your own wants known by the sign language. "'You are the one man in the world to whom I can speak "'without having my ears talked off in reply. "'You do not ha me at every turn.' "'Bernardo bobbed his head as if he understood. "'He always bobbed his head in that fashion "'when Don Diego's lips ceased to move. "'These are turbulent times, Bernardo,' Don Diego continued. A man can find no place where he can meditate. Even at Fray Felipe's night before last, there came a big sergeant pounding at the door. A man with nerves is in a sorry state. And this whipping of old Fray Felipe. Bernardo, let us hope that this Signor Zorro, who punishes those who work injustice, hears of the affair, and acts accordingly. Bernardo bobbed his head again. As for myself, I am in a pretty pickle, Don Diego went on. "'My father has ordered that I get me a wife, "'and the senorita I selected will have none of me. "'I shall have my father taking me by the ear in short order. "'Bernardo, it is time for me to leave this pueblo for a few days. "'I shall go to the hacienda of my father "'to tell him I have got no woman to wed me yet "'and ask his indulgence. "'And there, on the white hills behind his house, "'may I hope to find some spot where I may rest "'and consult the poets for one entire day "'without highwaymen and sergeants "'and unjust magistrados bothering me. "'And you, Bernardo, shall accompany me, of course. "'I can talk to you without your taking the words out of my mouth.' "'Bernardo bobbed his head again. "'He guessed what was to come. "'It was a habit of Don Diego's to talk to him thus for a long time, "'and always there was a journey afterward. "'Bernardo liked that because he worshipped Don Diego.' and because he liked to visit the hacienda of Don Diego's father, where he always was treated with kindness. The despensero had been listening in the other room and had heard what was said, and now he gave orders for Don Diego's horse to be made ready, and prepared a bottle of wine and water for the master to take with him. Within a short time Don Diego set out, Bernardo riding a mule a short distance behind him. 
they hurried along the high road, and presently caught up with a small carreta, beside which walked two robed Franciscans, and in which was Fray Felipe, trying to keep back moans of pain. Don Diego dismounted beside the carreta as it stopped. He went over to it and clasped Fray Felipe's hands in his own. "'My poor friend,' he said. "'It is but another instance of injustice,' Fray Felipe said. "'For twenty years we of the missions have been subjected to it, and it grows. "'The sainted Junipero Serra invaded this land when other men feared, "'and at San Diego de Alcala he built the first mission of what became a chain, "'thus giving an empire to the world. "'Our mistake was that we prospered, we did the work, "'and others reaped the advantages.' Don Diego nodded, and the other went on. They began taking our mission lands from us, lands we had cultivated, which had formed a wilderness, and which my brothers had turned into gardens and orchards. They robbed us of worldly goods, and not content with that, they are now persecuting us. The mission empire is doomed, Caballero. The time is not far distant when mission roofs will fall in and the walls crumble away. Some day people will look at the ruins. "'I wonder how such a thing could come to pass. "'But we can do naught except submit. "'It is one of our principles. "'I did forget myself for a moment in the plaza at Reina de los Angeles "'when I took the whip and struck a man. "'But it is our lot to submit. "'Sometimes, mused Don Diego, "'I wish I were a man of action. "'You give sympathy, my friend, "'which is worth its weight in precious stones. "'An action expressed in a wrong channel "'is worse than no action at all.' "'Where do you ride?' "'To the hacienda of my father, good friend. "'I must crave his pardon and ask his indulgence. "'He has ordered that I get me a wife, "'and I find it a difficult task.' "'That should be an easy task for Vega. "'Any maiden would be proud to take that name. "'I had hoped to wed with a senorita Lolita Polito, "'she having taken my fancy. "'A worthy maiden. "'Her father, too, has been subjected to unjust oppression. "'Did you join your family to his?' "'None would dare raise a hand against him. "'All that is very well, Frey, "'and the absolute truth, of course. "'But the senorita will have none of me,' "'Don Diego complained. "'It appears that I have not dash and spirit enough. "'She is hard to please, perhaps, "'or possibly she is but playing at being a coquette "'with the hope of leading you on "'and increasing your ardor. "'A maid loves to tantalize a man, Caballero. "'It is her privilege. "'I showed her my house in the Pueblo "'and mentioned my great wealth. "'and agreed to purchase a new carriage for her,' Don Diego told him. "'Did you show her your heart, mention your love, "'and agree to be a perfect husband?' Don Diego looked at him blankly, "'then batted his eyes rapidly, "'and scratched at his chin, "'as he did sometimes when he was puzzled over a matter. "'What a perfectly silly idea!' "'he exclaimed after a time. "'Try it, Caballero. "'It may have an excellent effect.' We'll return with Chapter 22, right after this sponsor message. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And now Chapter 22, Swift Punishment. The frails drove the cart onward. Fray Felipe raised his hand in blessing, 
and Don Diego Vega turned aside into the other trail, the deaf and dumb Bernardo following at his heels on the mule. Back in the Pueblo, the dealer in hides and tallow was the center of attraction at the tavern. The fat landlord was kept busy supplying his guests with wine, for the dealer in hides and tallow was spending a part of the money of which he had swindled Fray Felipe. The magistrado was spending the rest of the money. There was boisterous laughter as one recounted how Fray Felipe laid about him with the whip and how the blood spurted from his old back when the lash was applied. "'Not a whimper from him!' cried the dealer in hides and tallow. "'He is a courageous old coyote. "'Now, last month we whipped one at San Fernando, and he howled for mercy. "'But some men said he'd been ill and was weak, and possibly that was so. "'A tough lot, these frails. "'But it is great sport when we can make one howl. "'More wine, landlord. Fray Felipe is paying for it.' "'There was a deal of raucous laughter at that, "'and the dealer's assistant, who had given perjured testimony, "'was tossed a coin and told to play a man and do his own buying.' whereupon the apprentice purchased wine for all in the inn, and howled merrily when the fat landlord gave him no change from his piece of money. "'Are you afraid that you pinch coins?' the landlord asked. Those in the tavern howled with merriment again, and the landlord, who had cheated the assistant to the limit, grinned as he went about his business. It was a great day for the fat landlord. "'Who was the caballero who showed some mercy toward the fray?' the dealer asked. "'That was Don Diego Vega.' "'the landlord replied. "'He will be getting himself into trouble.' "'Not Don Diego,' said the landlord. "'You know the great Vega family, do you not, senor? "'Did the Vegas hold up as much as a little finger, "'there would be a political upheaval in these parts.' "'Then he is a dangerous man?' the dealer asked. "'A torrent of laughter answered him. "'Dangerous? Don Diego Vega?' the landlord cried, "'while tears ran down his fat cheeks.' "'You will be the death of me. "'Don Diego does not but sit in the sun and dream. "'He scarcely ever wears a blade, "'except as a matter of show. "'He groans if he has to ride a few miles on a horse. "'Don Diego is about as dangerous "'as a lizard basking in the sun. "'But he is an excellent gentleman, for all that,' "'the landlord added hastily, "'afraid that his words would reach Don Diego's ears, "'and Don Diego would take his custom elsewhere.' It was almost dusk when the dealer in hides and tallow left the tavern with his assistant, and both reeled as they walked, for they had partaken of too much wine. They made their way to the careta in which they traveled, waved their farewells to the group about the door of the tavern, and started slowly up the trail toward San Gabriel. They made their journey in a leisurely manner, continuing to drink from a jug of wine they had purchased. They went over the crest of the first hill, and the pueblo of Reina de los Angeles was lost to view and all they could see was the highway twisting before them like a great dusty serpent, and the brown hills, and a few buildings in the distance, where some man had his hacienda. They made a turning, and found a horseman confronting them, sitting easily in the saddle, with his horse standing across the road in such manner that they could not pass. "'Turn your beast!' the dealer in hides and tallow cried. "'Would you have me drive over you?' The assistant gave an exclamation that was part of fear and the dealer looked more closely at the horseman. His jaw dropped. His eyes bulged. "'Tis Signor Zorro!' he exclaimed. "'By the saints! "'Tis the curse of Capistrano, "'away down here near San Gabriel!' "'You would not bother me, Signor Zorro. "'I am a poor man, and have no money. "'Only yesterday a fray swindled me, "'and I have been to Reina de los Angeles seeking justice.' "'Did you get it?' Signor Zorro asked. 
"'The magistrado was kind, senor. "'He offered the fray to repay me, "'but I do not know when I shall get the money. "'Get out of the careta, "'and your assistant as well,' "'senor Zorro commanded. "'But I have no money,' "'the dealer protested. "'Out of the careta with you. "'Do I have to request it twice? "'Move, or lead finds a lodging place in your carcass.' Now the dealer saw that the highwayman held a pistol in his hand, and he squealed with sudden fright and got out of the cart as speedily as possible, his assistant tumbling out at his heels. They stood in the dusty highway before Signor Zorro, trembling with fear, the dealer begging for mercy. "'I have no money with me, kind highwayman, but I shall get it for you,' the dealer cried. "'I shall carry it to wherever you say, whatever you wish.' "'Silence, beast!' Signor Zorro cried. "'I do not want your money.' Perjurer, I knew all about the farce of a trial at Reina de Los Angeles. I have ways of finding out about such things speedily. So the aged Frey swindled you, eh? Liar and thief! Tis you who are the swindler. And they gave that old and godly man fifteen lashes across his bare back because of the lies you told. And you and the magistrado will divide the money of which you swindled him. I swear by the saints. Do not! "'You have done enough false swearing already. "'Step forward.' "'The dealer complied, trembling as if with a disease, "'and Signor Zorro dismounted swiftly "'and walked around in front of his horse. "'The dealer's assistant was standing beside the careta, "'and his face was white. "'Forward!' Signor Zorro commanded again. "'Again the dealer complied, "'but suddenly he began to beg for mercy, "'for Signor Zorro had taken a mule whip "'from beneath his long cloak "'and held it ready in his right hand "'while he held a pistol in his left.' "'Turn your back,' he commanded. "'Mercy, good highwayman! "'Am I to be beaten as well as robbed? "'You would whip an honest merchant "'because of a thieving fray?' "'The first blow fell, "'and the dealer shrieked with pain. "'His last remark appeared to have given strength "'to the highwayman's arm. "'The second blow fell, "'and the dealer in hides and tallow "'went to his knees in the dusty high road. "'Then Signor Zorro returned his pistol to his belt "'and stepped forward and grasped the dealer's mop of hair "'with his left hand.' "'so as to hold him up, "'and with the right he rained heavy blows "'with the mule whip upon the man's back "'until his tough coat and shirt were cut to ribbons "'and the blood soaked through. "'That for a man who purges himself "'and has an honest fray punished,' "'Signor Zorro cried. "'And then he gave his attention to the assistant. "'No doubt, young man, "'you but carried out your master's orders "'when you lied before the magistrado,' "'he said, "'but you must be taught to be honest and fair, "'no matter what the circumstances.' "'Mercy, senor!' the assistant howled. "'Did you not laugh when the fray was being whipped? "'Are you not filled with wine now "'because you have been celebrating the punishment "'that godly man received for something he didn't do?' "'Senor Zorro grasped the youth by the nape of his neck, "'whirled him around, and sent a stiff blow at his shoulders. "'The boy shrieked, and then began whimpering. Five lashes in all he received, "'for Senor Zorro apparently did not wish to render him unconscious.' "'and finally he hurled the boy from him "'and looped his whip. "'Let us hope both of you have learned your lesson,' "'he said. "'Get into the careta and drive on. "'And when you speak of this occurrence, "'tell the truth. "'Else I hear of it and punish you again. "'Let me not learn that you have said "'some fifteen or twenty men surrounded and held you "'while I worked with the whip.' "'The apprentice sprang into the cart, "'and his master followed, "'and they whipped up and disappeared "'in a cloud of dust toward San Gabriel.' Signor Zorro looked after them for a time, then lifted his mask and wiped the perspiration from his face, and then mounted his horse again, 
"'fastening the mule-whip to the pommel of his saddle. "'And now, Chapter 23. More Punishment. "'Signor Zorro rode quickly to the crest of the hill beneath which was the Pueblo, "'and there he stopped his horse and looked down at the village. "'It was almost dark, but he could see quite well enough for his purpose. "'Candles had been lighted in the tavern, "'and from the building came the sounds of raucous song and loud jest. "'Candles were burning at the Presidio,' "'and from some of the houses came the odor of cooking food. "'Signor Zorro rode on down the hill. "'When he reached the edge of the plaza, "'he put spurs to his horse "'and dashed up to the tavern door, "'before which half a dozen men were congregated, "'the most of them under the influence of wine. "'Landlord!' he cried. "'None of the men about the door "'gave him particular attention at first, "'thinking he was but some caballero "'on a journey wishing refreshment. "'The landlord hurried out, "'rubbing his fat hands together.' "'and stepped close to the horse, "'and then he saw that the rider was masked "'and that the muzzle of a pistol was threatening him. "'Is the magistrado within?' "'Signor Zorro asked. "'Si, Signor. "'Stand where you are, and pass the word for him. "'Say there is a caballero here "'who wishes speech with him regarding a certain matter.' "'The terrified landlord shrieked for the magistrado, "'and the word was passed inside. "'Presently the judge came staggering out, "'crying in a loud voice to know who had summoned him "'from his pleasant entertainment. "'He staggered up to the horse and put one hand against it "'and looked up to find two glittering eyes "'regarding him through a mask. "'He opened his mouth to shriek, "'but Signor Zorro warned him in time. "'Not a sound or you die,' he said. "'I have come to punish you. "'Today you passed judgment on a godly man who is innocent. "'Moreover, you knew of his innocence, "'and his trial was but a farce. "'By your order,' "'he received a certain number of lashes. "'You shall have the same payment.' "'You dare? "'Silence!' the highwayman commanded. "'You, about the door there, come to my side,' he called. "'They crowded forward, most of them peons "'who thought that there was a caballero "'who wished something done and had gold to pay for it. "'In the dusk they did not see the mask and pistol "'until they stood beside the horse, "'and it was too late to retreat then.' "'We are going to punish this unjust magistrado,' Signor Zorro told them. "'The five of you will seize him now "'and conduct him to the post in the middle of the plaza, "'and there you will tie him. "'The first man to falter receives a slug of lead from my pistol, "'and my blade will deal with the others. "'And I wish speed also.' "'The frightened magistrado began to screech now. "'Laugh loudly that his cries may not be heard,' the highwayman ordered, "'and the men laughed as loudly as they could.' "'albeit there was a peculiar quality to their laughter. "'They seized the magistrado by the arms "'and conducted him to the post "'and bound him there with tongs. "'You will line up,' Signor Zorro told them. "'You will take this whip, "'and each of you will lash this man five times. "'I shall be watching, "'and if I see the whip fall lightly once, "'I shall deal out punishment. "'Begin.' "'He tossed the whip to the first man, "'and the punishment began. "'Signor Zorro had no fault to find "'with the manner in which it was given.' "'for there was great fear in the hearts of the peons, "'and they whipped with strength, and willingly. "'You also, landlord,' Signor Zorro said. "'He will put me in the carcel for it afterward,' the landlord wailed. "'Do you prefer carcel or coffin?' the highwayman asked. "'It became evident that the landlord preferred the carcel. "'He picked up the whip, and he surpassed the peons in the strength of his blows. "'The magistrado was hanging heavily from the tongs now.' "'Unconsciousness had come to him with about the fifteenth blow, "'more through fear than through pain and punishment. "'Unfasten the man,' the highwayman ordered. 
two men sprang forward to do his bidding. "'Carry him to his house,' Signor Zorro went on, "'and tell the people of the Pueblo "'that this is the manner in which Signor Zorro punishes those "'who oppress the poor and the helpless, "'who give unjust verdicts, "'and who steal in the name of the law. "'Go your way.' "'The magistrado was carried away, groaning, "'consciousness returning to him now. "'Signor Zorro turned once more to the landlord. "'We shall return to the tavern,' he said. "'You will go inside and fetch me a mug of wine.' "'and stand beside my horse while I drink it. "'It would be only a waste of breath for me "'to say what will happen to you "'if you attempt treachery on the way.' "'But there was fear of the magistrado "'in the landlord's heart, "'as great as his fear of Signor Zorro. "'He went back to the tavern "'beside the highwayman's horse, "'and he hurried inside as if to get the wine, "'but he sounded the alarm. "'Signor Zorro is without!' "'He hissed at those nearest the table. "'He has just caused the magistrado "'to be whipped cruelly. "'He has sent me to get him a mug of wine.' Then he went on to the wine cask and began drawing the drink slowly as possible. There was sudden activity inside the tavern. Some half-dozen caballeros were there, men who followed in the footsteps of the governor. Now they drew their blades and began creeping toward the door, and one of them who possessed a pistol and had it in his sash drew it out, saw that it was prepared for work, and followed in their wake. Signor Zorro, sitting his horse some twenty feet from the door of the tavern, suddenly beheld a throng rush out at him, saw the light flash from half a dozen blades, heard the report of a pistol, and heard a ball whistle past his head. The landlord was standing in the doorway, praying that the highwaymen would be captured, for then he would be given some credit, and perhaps the magistrado would not punish him for having used a lash. Signor Zorro caused his horse to rear high in the air, and then raked the beast with the spurs. The animal sprang forward into the midst of the caballeros, scattering them. That was what Signor Zorro wanted. His blade already was out of its scabbard, and it passed through one man's sword arm, then swung over and drew blood on another. He fenced like a maniac, maneuvering his horse to keep his antagonist separated, so that only one could get at him at a time. Now the air was filled with shrieks and cries, and men came tumbling from the houses to ascertain the cause of the commotion. Signor Zorro knew that some of them would have pistols, and while he feared no blade, he realized that a man could stand some distance away and cut him down with a pistol ball. So he caused his horse to plunge forward again, and before the fat landlord realized it, Signor Zorro was beside him, and had reached down and grasped him by the arm. The horse darted away, the fat landlord dragging, shrieking for rescue, and begging for mercy in the same breath. Signor Zorro rode with him to the whipping post. "'Hand me that whip!' he commanded. The shrieking landlord obeyed, and called upon the saints to protect him, and then Signor Zorro turned him loose and curled the whip round his fat middle, and as the landlord tried to run, "'he cut at him again and again. "'He left him once to charge down upon those who had blades "'and so scattered them, "'and then he was back with the landlord again, "'applying the whip. "'You tried treachery!' he cried. "'Dog of a thief! "'You would send men about my ears, eh? "'I'll strip your tough hide!' "'Mercy!' the landlord shrieked, "'and fell to the ground. "'Signor Zorro cut at him again, "'bringing forth a yell more than blood. "'He wheeled his horse and darted at the nearest of his foes.' Another pistol ball whistled past his head. Another man sprang at him with blade ready. Signor Zorro ran the man neatly through the shoulder and put spurs to his horse again. He galloped as far as the whipping post, and there he stopped his horse and faced them for an instant. "'There are not enough of you to make a fight interesting, signors,' he cried. He swept off his sombrero and bowed to them in nice mockery, and then he wheeled his horse again and dashed away. Thank you for joining us for The Mark of Zorro. 
by Johnston McCulley. If you're enjoying our story, please do send us a review for 1001 Stories for the Road. We appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. We'll return next week Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with more of The Mark of Zorro. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.